Hi everyone, I've got with me someone uh, famous not for cricket, Michael Clark, but for real estate. Um, about three, four weeks ago we caught up uh, when I was visiting Manly and uh, this guy's just written a million dollars in three months. Is that right? Three mm-hmm. Yeah, three months, a million dollars. Michael, welcome firstly. Hello. <laughs> okay, so um, for the viewers out there, a lot of them around Australia and Sydney, can I just get a brief background mm-hmm. on, you know, how long you've been in real estate and where you came from? Yep. Okay, so I um, started in real estate in 2005. Um, my background prior to real estate, I um, grew up in the country from Orange, family of seven kids. So, wow. Yeah, you learn to negotiate when you're a family of seven kids because if you don't negotiate well, you, you don't eat. Yeah. So that was, that was fun. Just a country kid, went to, um, uh, to university in Bathurst and studied uh, advertising and um, that, was, that was great. I really enjoyed it. But, um, uh, Mum and Dad couldn't afford to keep me on cam- on campus, so I sold encyclopedias by night and studied by day. So that's how I put myself through uni. Wow! Yeah. So, so selling door to door? Yeah, it was mostly on. Um, uh, uh, it was mostly by appointment, but during the evenings, yeah, door to door. Okay, so you did you did full time uni? Yep, and stayed on campus. Yeah, and stayed on campus. Mm-hmm paid for it more or less out of uh, being a salesperson. Was uh, that encyclopedia a useful training ground? Oh, heck yeah, because it was like I was um, I was learning about marketing and advertising during the day and then learning about sales in the evening, you know, and um, and that, uh, I earned enough money to do that um, to, uh, or by doing that, to stay on campus and at a ball all the time, it was brilliant. Okay, so you finished uni, what was, what did you do next? So uh, I was uh, fortunate I got a scholarship over to New York, an agency called BBDO. So I was yeah. on the Mars account with Snickers and M&Ms and um, uh, I was a 20 year old kid at the time so I was in Disneyland. It was great to, to be over there and get that experience. And then I won another scholarship when I got back and uh, worked uh, for a company over in Piedmont. And um, uh, I was enjoying it but I wasn't passionate about it. And um, my, uh, my then girlfriend who was now my wife uh, said to me, she threw a real estate book uh, across the table to me one evening and she said, look, you should do that, you'd be brilliant at it. And um, I'd never considered it in my whole life that um, I'd do anything I mean, you that. sound like, I tell you, I interview a lot of people, but you sound like you're pretty smart. You went to uni, you've gone off, you, you pick up a, a gig selected to be um, part of a program in New York yeah, in smart. the cutting field of advertising. So a lot of people would have thought, oh, real estate agent, that's, uh, you know, and not as glamorous, but yeah, yeah that's interesting. And uh, and that was uh, I had a lot of people at the time in my uh, social sphere. I mean, all my best mates were like, "Go, go for your life, mate. Whatever you want to do." But a lot of people were, uh, particularly when I had the CV that I won an international scholarship overseas and then another scholarship back here. The CV looked good, right. but I wasn't enjoying it. And um, so I got this book uh, from uh, Cherie thrown across the table to me, and she said, "Look, you know, you'd, you'd love that because the part of advertising that I liked, or the idea of it, was the pitching to the business." Right. And uh, I wasn't going to be able to do that for another five or ten years. And uh, so I read, I actually read the book in about three days and I thought to myself, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe that um, there's an industry like this because up until that point in time I just saw real estate like I guess most others see the stereotypical real estate salesperson. Nice suit and maybe nice car, but that's about it. Yeah. And um, so I uh, interviewed at several different agencies, yeah, but I, I did mark the particular brand that I wanted to work with. and. Um, Turned up there, uh, got the job, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Okay, so you've been in real estate how long now? About um, eight years. Okay, were you good right from the outset? 
Oh, I went backwards. I, I laughed with Cherie now. I didn't laugh at the time, I remember. Um, so I went from a job that I thought was paying fairly well back then, and that was about $90,000. Yeah. Um, and uh, went on to a debit credit thing for $34,000 a year, yeah. all of which I had to pay back. And yeah. I remember I, I got up to about $20,000 in the negative, and Cherie, who at that stage was my, uh, uh, my fiancé, and she said, how are we going? And I said, backwards, but not fast. And I'll never forget, she burst into tears. Uh, I was trying to, to soften the blow, but yeah, backwards, but not fast. So the so, first... Yeah, so you, so this is like eight years ago. Yeah. yeah you're yeah. engaged, or, mm-hmm. yeah, you're yeah. engaged, and you've just told um, Cherie that in reality you owe the boss money. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember rock bottom very, very clearly. So I got in, into the business in um, 2005, and I remember the 20th of July, 2006, Jeez, oh, um, I pulled into the petrol station. I didn't have any money to pay for the petrol, so I had to call Dad um, back in Orange to um, to transfer some money across so I could put petrol in the tank. And uh, I only told Cherie about that uh, years later. But um, so for me at the time, saying we're going backwards but not fast, that was actually a hell of a lot better than the way that I actually felt like I was going. So wow, I mean that guys and girls, if you're watching this now and you've ever needed to sort of feel like you know, is there light at the end of the tunnel eight years ago um, behind, you know, 34 grand take-home pay and having to pay back because you're behind and in the last few months, three months, you wrote a million bucks. I mean, by the sounds of it, you're going to be on track to write two mil in GCI. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, yeah. I should be well above that. I'm above that already. Above that already. Okay. So you've got to be inspired. You've got to be inspired because I've said it before. Every seven-figure agent was not once a seven-figure agent. So I think the first thing is, where 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 does the magic happen, Michael? Where, so in the last eight years, how has this thing happened? Explain. Well, I mean, the, the biggest thing that uh, I learned from that very first book that I read was that anything that you really want to do has been done by somebody in the past, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I know that's a massive cliche, but um, in advertising, a lot of the people who had done really well had had mentors and people who had done really well as well. Right. So they'd go off and do that, and then um, when I was reading about real estate, um, it, what became increasingly clear to me was that two things. The first was that the people who were doing amazing figures, were doing something that they were oftentimes very, very uh, keen to pass on. They, they were very generous with their time, and um, all you had to do was pester them enough, and they'd catch up with you. Did you pester people? Hell yeah! Well, I went all over. I, I remember I found a bloke who was writing uh, really good business um, within the organisation that I was in, and I pestered him for six months to catch up with me. And um, I'd drive over to the inner west, and the deal was I'd get there at a quarter to seven on a Friday morning with a coffee for him, and yeah. we'd catch up and do scripts and dialogues, role playing and training and things like that until nine o'clock every Friday morning. Wow! So that was something that supercharged me because um, I was learning from somebody who, who at that stage was already writing over a million dollars, and um, and that that had a massive impact. And then you know other people as well. So okay, so you're saying one of the ways that you can accelerate your learning if you're hungry is to find mentors or find other people that are successful and you may be pleasantly surprised that they're going to be generous with their time. Absolutely. I mean, the thing about it is is that um, I found one of the other things was that um, in the industry, the people who were going very, very well, almost all of them had also gone very badly at one point in time 
and they'd caught up with somebody else who'd been very, very generous with their time as well. So I think that if you're looking to go well in the industry, you'd be a galah if you didn't try and catch up with some of, some of the people around there that were doing great business because you don't have to learn all the hard lessons. You can leverage from what they've done. Well, you're being very generous on steroids today. There's 16,000 um, people on my list. Now, the open rate's about 35, 37%, depending. With you, I reckon it's going to be like closer to 40%. Can I ask you, what are some of those learnings, Michael, that you've, 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 you've picked up that successful agents do? You know, uh, Work your bum off. Right. Absolutely work your ring off. There's no... You work hard? Uh, well, I guess that's for others to judge, but, um, you know, I um, work six days a week and um, normally get to the office um, or an appointment or something like that uh, prior to 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, I'm not part of the 5am club. I, I can't promise to be that, but, you know, I'm always up some, some time around six yeah. and um, normally get home sometime between seven and nine o'clock in the evening after I do the... How many uh, days a week do you work? Six. Six? Yeah. What's your current team look like in terms of, like, you're the owner of Clark and Hummel. Yep. And Sheree Hummel's your wife. Yep. Partner. You're Michael Clark. You're the Clark part of the business. Mm -hmm. A great brand. It's, um, uh, so for our viewers out there that don't know, this business was formed about a year ago? Uh, beginning of 2012. Beginning of 2012. So we're now coming up to, um, close to 18 months. Yeah. Well, um... Just on two years, yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. So that's a good thing in the sense that you've got this business, you're controlling your destiny, but you are a main producer in that business. So you are on the tools, mm. you work with buyers and sellers, and yep. you are the main producer of sales revenue in that business. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And indeed, until um, you know, until we just hired a couple of salespeople, um, yeah, myself and Sheree were the only ones. And so we had... Um, and Cherie is a very, very, um, and her background is an architect. And so it's funny because she pushed me into the business. And then right. four years after that, I convinced her to ditch architecture and come and join me. Right. And uh, so she's very capable of doing the listing and selling as well. But um, her primary focus is to keep me out there listing, selling and negotiating. And she runs the back end. Okay, so she's like your PA? Oh, God, no. No, no. she's like my boss. She's like your <laughs> boss. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky to get the Clark and bidding, Clark and number wow. No, um, Cherie's uh, more like the um, uh, more like the chief financial officer of the actual business. She's, right. Um, and once again, she's very capable. Of, she's really smart. I mean, she's an architect. She's, oh yeah, mate. She got ducks at school, and she's right. she's a, she's the brains of the outfit. Right. Okay. So you have got an assistant that works for you. Yeah. So. Um, up until recently, so Cherie was dealing with all the buyers and things like that to help yeah. me, right? Um, and also, uh, also doing some listing and selling of, of her own. Um, but it was basically myself, Cherie, and then we had a CSM as well. Okay, um, let me ask you the question of one of the things that viewers always ask me is how do they get into more listing presentations? Mm -hmm. What are the tips you can give? How can you get into more doors? I mean, hard work is important. So yeah. what we're saying is that is like not an optional bit. That's the mandatory. Yep. Yep. They'd be surprised how many people don't think that that's that important. They feel like they can rock up at eight thirty in the morning and leave at five thirty and think that they'll be yeah successful. It's so, what so, so essentially, what you're saying is, and I know because the day I was there with you, I could see that you are your your dollar productive focus and time is a precious commodity to you. And I can see that the way that you operate, you know, time is important to you. Um, can I ask um, 
what do you spend your time doing in the? Have you? Is your week got a pattern? Oh, absolutely. I've got an ideal week, and I've got. Um, that's one of the things that um, that I learned very early on. In and we were talking about it before, and that is that real estate's one of those businesses where you can be massively busy the entire day and completely unproductive at the same time. Right. And uh, so whether you um, whether you look at something like uh, Dr. Fred Gross, who talks very much about the ideal weeks and things like that, or whether you look at somebody like. Um, Bob Barlin, who talks about five qualified face-to-face appointments every day. Um, What I learned was that every single thing that I was doing needed to be tailored towards getting in front of somebody that was qualified, and whether that was prospecting. So um, I'd be lying if I said I've done a lot of prospecting over the past six months, because I haven't, because the business has just been spinning. And I uh, I used to hear that. When I was first starting up, these people who would get phone-ins, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, what the hell is a phone-in? All, all my business in the first five years it was all completely proactively generated. So do you know, do you know when, the, when has that time happened where it appears the call-ins and you're running like an attraction business model now mm-hmm. where people call you because they want Michael Clark? Yep. When, at what point has that happened? Um, uh, so I've been doing it eight years. It started to happen about 12 months ago. Okay. Before before the twelve months, mm. what were the sort of things that you would be doing more and more of? Back Religiously, then? prospect. Like what's pros- prospecting mean okay. to you? Um, the first thing is it, um, every open for inspection. I know four out of ten of those people are either going to be selling immediately right. or selling at some stage in the near future. Right. So make sure that I have world class open homes. Right. Try and actually interact with everybody that comes through. Try and be positive to everyone. What do you reckon one of your separation points, because you're a really good listener, you've got a good conversion rate, mm. um, and you're exceptional for the amount of people in your business and how long it's been going. You are a, a marketing-based business, mm-hmm. and your advertising background maybe helps here, uh, but you're good at getting vendor-paid marketing and helping vendors uh, design good campaigns. Explain your separations on how you get listings versus competitors and how you outline the marketing uh, proposition to a vendor. Okay, so um, as far as um, the separation in listing presentations, I think the first thing is um, there needs to be a bit of an intensity at the listing. Right. Like, I'm not one of those people. Uh, you can never win 10 listings out of 10. Right. Um, and I don't naturally click with people who are massively laid back. Right. Um, from my perspective, though, I believe that the sale of any real estate, uh, any piece of real estate, is much more involved than just sticking a signboard in, in, uh, you know, out the front and crossing your fingers and hoping to God. So I talk a tremendous amount about the strategy. Right. What is the best way to be able to maximise your sale price? I heard somebody say in the first week of my real estate career that, as the agent, it's not your job to sell the property because any bum can sell their own property if they discount it by twenty percent. Yeah. It's your job as the agent to maximise the sale price. And once again, that's now a, a cliche, but. Um, what I really like to talk about with my vendors is um, how is it that we're going to be able to maximise the impact? How is it that we're going to be able to, to get you that extra 10%? So the conversation you have is not about property sale, it's about house price maximisation. Yeah, absolutely right. And, right. That, and that's where the VPA thing comes in. Right. You know? Okay. When you outline VPA, um, is there a kind of approach that you do? Do you use any visuals? Do you use the current, you use a, you know, I, mean, I know you use the Manly Daily, do you actually show the product? How do you? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. More often than not I don't, because right. at the end of the day, um, 
sometimes I will have a vendor that wants to have a look at the way an ad looks, but um, I think uh, what I'm after is not their buy-in that our ads look pretty or, or that, um, you know, we're going to take this photo or that photo. What I want is their buy-in that the more competition that we get for their property, the more it's going to sell for. Right. Because on the one hand, the property is only worth what, what, what someone's prepared to pay. But on the other hand, if you nail it, you can influence somebody's perception of the value. And the biggest thing that we've got to be able to influence their perception of the value is how much competition there is. Right. It's all about competition. Okay, so what you're saying is part of your job is not just to locate a buyer, but to change the perceived value of the home by, you know, the way you position the property in the marketplace? Absolutely. It's, you know, I mean, if it, um, I mean, it's one of the most important things I, I learned in advertising, and that is that you've got to make sure that um, not only are you branding whatever it is that you're selling correctly, but there's a perception created around every touch point that people have in relation to the marketing. And so you can't make somebody like a house if they don't like it, right? So there's a, there's a ground zero where you know, they'll, they'll walk in and they'll either decide whether they like the house or whether they won't. So the ones that don't like it, well, they're irrelevant. But the people that do like it, those are the ones that are heavily influenced by whether or not there are other people around that also like it, and that's the social proof thing. Right. And so if we can influence the number of other people that are also walking around, also genuinely interested in the property, all nodding together collectively, well, that's a, that's a great way of us being able to maximise the sale price. We all want what we can't have. Okay. I love that term, social proof. You're, I like it the way that you uh, articulate things in a, a logical, evidence-based way. And your persona, you come across as someone, when you say intensity, you come across someone that is pretty clear, straight shooting, mm -hmm. um, has got a strong view about something, not wishy-washy. Mm -hmm. um, I speak massively quickly. Is that, yeah, is that, that's, that's just who I am. That's who you are. Yeah, I used to try and slow down. I, mean, that's, I just, I had to leave Orange, they couldn't understand me. Wow. <laughs> Too fast for the people in, Orange is near Bathurst, right? Yes. Or sort of. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, I went to uni in Bathurst, so yeah, lived okay. in Orange. Okay, so Orange and Bathurst. Yeah. So let me ask you the question of um, having structure, having ideal weeks, mm -hmm. is that natural to you? Are you no, a, hell no, no, she redid all that for me. She basically are you, are you Are you less, as a person, you're, are you less structured, you're more... Now I, um, I'm, I'm very proud to say I'm very organised, right. I'm super organised, right. but eight years ago I wasn't. So that's the other interesting thing that I learned in real estate, and that is that, it's, uh, I think they call it the, uh, the Peter Principle or the Anderson, whatever it is, some principle that talks about each and every person rises to his or her own level of incompetency at which point they remain, unless they change. Right? And so it's interesting because in real estate, um, you can get to a certain level, and you can, whether that's selling one or two or five or ten properties a month, let's call it four properties a month, yeah. and I, uh, I could relatively comfortably sell four properties a month, um, but I couldn't handle selling any more of that, uh, any more than that, until I got organised. Right. And then I got to six or seven properties a month, and then I couldn't actually handle the volume of any more while still making sure that we were giving outstanding service to people until I got other things organised in my life. So it's interesting because when, um, when I see and when I've spoken to a lot of the other, uh, a lot of people in the industry who are massively high performers, um, when I've spoken to them, they've always talked about the fact that they had to be massively organised within their business, but also outside their business as well. Right. Because that all has an impact. And so you have to, you can't write great business being disorganised. So you have to have an ideal week. You have to make sure that you're not running around like a blue ass fly in between appointments. You have to schedule things 
um, outside, you have to schedule downtime, all that type of stuff. Is your diary used on Outlook or on a, uh, is it on a computer or is it on hand, a handwritten diary? Oh, no, it's, it's on computer. On computer. Yeah, because uh, from, you know, day, from day to day, um, you know, of an evening I check to make sure I know what's coming up and I can, uh, I can mentally and I guess also emotionally prepare for the following day. But yeah, um, so I do use a, a written diary as well. Right. Because sometimes I find if there's an appointment for, uh, if I want to call somebody for, you know, in five months or whatever, yes, I'll put it in the computer. But when I flip over in my diary, I'll see that that's the one that I need to call. Right. Um, but it's mostly uh, it's computerised. So your appointments are. Yep. Okay. Uh, next question I'm going to ask you is top three tips that you can give to um, real estate agents mm-hmm. that want to get better. Mm-hmm. What are the three pieces of advice that have worked for you that you're doing? There's always somebody out there that's doing better business than you. Right. And you can learn from them and then just be dumb enough to implement what they've done. Right. I like the way you said that dumb enough means uh, don't overanalyze. Yeah, don't, just don't have an ego about it. Like, you know, there's the, um, heard another cracker of a comment years ago and that was, don't let perfect get in the way of better. Yeah. Uh, thought about that and that's, that's a cracker. You know, you can, um, I think... Um, it, a lot perfect of, means procrastination for many people, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and I just think that, so the, the, the first thing that I would say to them is, for God's sake, if, if you're in an agency where whoever it is is writing good business, pester them until they'll tell you, and I'll, you'll find that they'll be generous. Right. You know? If you're in an agency where you're working a bunch, uh, you know, uh, among a bunch of people who aren't necessarily like who you would aspire to be, go outside of the agency and speak to other people and see what they're doing, and they'll be generous with you as well, and then just do it. You know. Okay, so success leave clues. Yep, that's the first Follow, follow that. Next yeah. one. Um, second thing would be don't think for a split second that it's going to happen overnight. And that's such a cliche, but it doesn't. I mean, I went from 90,000 to minus 20,000 before I started to increase. Did it, in the eight years, did it go up gradually? No, not at all. No, basically just double, 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 double. Until right. I got to a stage. I, I did, um, for two years in a row, I did... Um, uh, did roughly the same figures, and right. once again, that was based around you know my level of organisation or, or lack thereof, and so I got reorganised again, you know, to the next level, and then went up again. Right. Um, but so many people get into the industry and they think, yep, I'll give it six months or I'll give it twelve months. That's just ridiculous. There's no way that you can do anything in real estate in six to twelve months. Nobody knows you after twelve months. Um, so if if you're learning correctly from all the people in the industry that are doing well, you're working your bum off and you're telling the truth and you're doing the right thing, give yourself three years and see how you go. Okay. So what you're saying is, start off, it's an undergraduate degree. Yeah, it's pretty training. Three years. You're, you're, you're enrolling in a three-year real estate course. Yep. And it's like a degree. Like a degree. Don't expect big money to come in, but expect a lot of learnings. Yes, yep. Because the, the money comes from the learnings. Right. Um, and that's the th- this is the third thing that I would say. Um, you know, from time to time I'd get people who would, um, who would have a, a, a go at me or a chuckle at me for being too script and dialogue orientated. Right. And um, the fascinating thing for me is that at that stage when I was learning as many scripts and dialogues and things like that as I possibly could, I was still early in the industry, so I was still at a stage where I needed to learn it piece by piece. And you will too if you're new, new to the industry. You need to learn the, you know, letter by letter. But once you learn them enough, then they become internalised and then you just understand the overall strategy. And so when you're sitting across the table from somebody, you don't need to use a script or a dialogue because you understand that what 
you know, any, if you look at any script and dialogue, you break it down, fundamentally what it's about is you're trying to communicate effectively to somebody yeah. a reason to do or not do something. Yeah. And provided it resonates with you with integrity, then all it is, it's just like a cricketer learning how to cover drive or whatever else. Initially, you'll be clunky and it's not going to come off well and you'll look ugly or whatever. But once you learn it, then you can get to a stage where you're not thinking about it, it becomes natural, and then you can even start to insert some of your own flair into it. And um, yeah, it's fascinating because so, you know, some, some of the people that used to rib me for uh, scripts and dialogues, I wrote three times their business last year, so there's got to be something yeah. in that. Well, I've got to tell you, I mean, we know the revenue that you're writing, there's evidence there that you're a believer in scripts or dialogues, and I've always said to people that, uh, that know me, don't use a thousand words when 50 will do. And I think that one of the things that Michael says is that when a script and dialogue is internalized and you actually know that how to use that as a metaphor, you can actually adapt that at any time because you've conceptually learned the framework of what you're trying to say in a yeah, simplistic so. way. Yeah, yeah. And that to me is not being a phony fake salesperson. That's actually telling people something that an average salesperson can take 10 minutes to say. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like if... Um, if somebody hits you, we've all been lost for words at some time. Somebody's asked us a question and we, we kind of know what we want to say, but we've got, cool. you know, learning the scripts and the dialogues. Once again, provided there's an ethics behind it, provided you, the script or the dialogue that you're the learning. Is right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Provided you've got that and it's, um, it's with sincerity, learning the script or the dialogue is just the ability for you to be able to respond in the way that you want to do without having to think about the specific words that you need to say. And hopping in your car and saying, shit, I wish I'd said that when yeah, I was yeah. there. Yeah, proper prior preparation prevents beautiful performance. All right, Michael, one final question. This is the standard uh, interview question I ask to all my people. If you were starting in real estate um, eight years ago, mm -hmm. day one, Michael Clark, meeting Michael Clark, what piece of advice would you give Michael? That's a good one. Um... The reason it's good is there's no standard script or dialogue available. <laughs> yeah, nobody script or dialogue on that one. Uh, what piece of advice would I give myself? Um, I'll tell you what it is. It is that the person that does the best is very rarely the one that is the most intelligent or the most talented. The person that does the best is the one that works single-mindedly in the same direction, harder than anybody else, with integrity. That's what I'd say. Okay, what a great way to finish this video. What a great way to finish this video. You don't have to have an IQ of 150, hmm. is basically what Michael has said, but you've got to get on task, stay on task, get in line, stay in line, yep. and be focused. Michael, thank you so much for coming in. It's a pleasure having you.